So there are individuals whose immune system of what we've just described does not occur. That is, their immune really? yes, their their immune system stays normal for the full length of their life. Dr. Nick Delgado here with Dipmarai Maharaj. Dr. Maharaj, you're a hematologist. You study blood. You've dealt with leukemia, blood-borne diseases. You've seen it all. And I know uh, you've come by where I'm doing live blood microscopy, right? What is it that people have to understand about the blood, how the cellular health is the beginning of everything we do? And why do some of these cells as we age, start to fall apart. You once made a quote at a seminar that by the age of 60, the immune system drops dramatically. And it was a very high percentage. Can you tell me about that and share with my audience what we need to do to possibly prop up that declining immune system? Well, um, I'm a hematologist, but I'm also a bone marrow transplant physician. And I'm also a hematopathologist. So that allows me the unique ability to study the blood, but the immune system as well in a much more detailed way. So to answer your question more specifically, if we look at the effects of aging on the immune system, when we are, when we are born, our immune system is immature. And then what happens is that uh, between, uh, between birth and around 17, 18, our immune system will gradually will increase. Between 18 and 35, our immune system is at its, its peak. Thereafter, it begins to decline. And usually after 40, there's a slow decline. And, this, and, and at 65, there's a nosedive. Now, what, would the, what we've just described there is what's called normal aging. So there are individuals whose immune system of what we've just described does not occur. That is, their immune, really? yes, their, their immune system stays normal for the full length of their life. And, that's, and then there are no, there's another group of individuals who, by 20, their immune system is declining. And again, by 40, it takes a nosedive. And their lifespan is shortened. And often infections uh, can often cause that, or there are other other things, lifestyle and environmental things that they're doing, which could cause that as well, or genetics. Genetics accounts for about 10%, 90% is actually lifestyle and environmental of what can cause that. So we all have to be conscious of the fact that we need to maintain our health by maintaining a healthy immune system. I talk about the four steps to wellness. Detoxification, which includes exercise, a very high fiber diet to cleanse, um, infrared spa, uh, making sure your outdoor activities. Uh, number two, nutrify, getting whole food nutrition, minimizing toxins and chemicals, you know, going with as much plant-based whole foods as you can. And in that, certainly herbal supplementation. Number three, fortification, looking at the possibility that some people can benefit from stem cell intervention, from chromosome enhancement, from telomere improvement, mitochondria function. And number four, the power of the mind. The power of the mind because that gets people to be more consistent with adhering to those other three steps. Would you ascribe to some of this? Would this help? many people and then what would you like to add to that? Well I'm going to repeat some of what you've said but by looking at it if we look at the broader picture of lifestyle 
an environment. So if, if we now begin to look at that, toxins that we're exposed to. So if you look at uh, people who live close to main highways, and large studies have been done where you find individuals who live cl close to main highways, their incidence of dementia, Alzheimer's is significantly higher than people who live 10 miles away. And wow. that would be the exposure, the continuous exposure to to toxins being um, in fumes from the cars or vehicles. The next thing, of course, is the, the food that we eat. Many of us think that we're eating a whole, you know, a healthy diet, but as you've said, a whole food plant-based diet is actually the best diet. But the, the, the source of, this, of the food is also important as well because another study showed that 50 to 70 percent of Americans are actually micronutrient deficient. And certainly in my practice when we look for that, we'll actually find many people are micronutrient deficient, although they claim to be eating the best food that um, they can buy. The third thing, of course, is the effect of uh, the microbiome of the gut. As we age, the diversity of the bacteria in the gut, good bacteria, decreases. And again, exposure to infections, to types of foods that we eat, processed foods can alter that. That then leads to inflammation of the gut, which leads to what's called intestinal leakage, which then causes food to actually become... Uh, when it's not digested properly to directly hit the immune system and causes chronic inflammation, which can then affect the whole body as, a, uh, as part of a chronic inflammatory process. Vi viruses, bacterial, fungi, uh, in, ba 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 uh, bacterial, fungal and viral infections can affect the um, immune system as well. Chronic infections with a virus called cytomegalovirus actually depletes the immune system, causes accelerating aging. The By the way, I'm writing a paper about uh, many of these microbes may be coming from animal-based foods. Uh, there's a lot of different various microbes in chicken. Uh, we've seen one study, at least, that I referenced uh, that increases the risk of lymphoma in those people eating more chicken, uh, possibly microbes from beef and, of course, salmonella and, <coughs> and eggs and, and so forth and cheese. So what do you, are you trailing that down at all? Yes, I mean, I think not even, not, I mean, this, I mean the studies on food which contain meats, uh, which has bacteria, which could basically be causing an abnormal gut microbiome is clearly there. But I think what's also interesting is more recent data showing that uh, what we call, what we regard as foods, uh, plants, vegetables, uh, treated with pesticides, um, can allow the growth of um, fungi which are resistant to the uh, antifungals that we have. That seems to be now a big problem because wow. certain uh, hospitals have had to close their intensive care units because of these infections occurring from fungi, came about from foods treated with pesticides. So we are seeing it not just in meats, we're seeing it also in vegetables that we're being exposed to. It is that to be confused because uh, Dr. Joel Furman talks about using mushrooms as part of his protocol of uh, G-bomb uh, to help with uh, the immune system to fight cancer, meaning include a good amount of variety of mushrooms in the diet. I mean, they're fungi, right? I mean, is it a different kind of a fungus that's 
in the blood and in the body, does it actually show up in the blood? I mean, I look under the microscope, I see what I'm told looks like candida. When they pipette it, they send it off to lab. They said, oh, this is some one of the fungal forms. Uh, is there any evidence to that? Or is it usually you hear about it in the medical literature, that's the end stage of life, and then fungus starts to develop in the body. I, I understand what you're saying is consuming, but, but what about the appearance in the body? Or but, in the gut, I think, is what you're referring to, too. Yes. I mean, if, if you have somebody's immune system of the gut, remember the gut accounts for 70% of the immune system of the body. So if their immune system is actually depleted, bacteria, which are normally what we call commensile, and fungi, which normally would be commensile, which doesn't cause any harm, can become pathogenic. And then if that person is exposed to people who have been receiving a lot of antifungi, antifungal medications, those, they, they become resistant to the to sort of standard uh, antifungals. And therefore, you now have a vicious cycle of organisms which would normally be commensal or be good for the gut now becoming pathogenic to the gut. So I think a lot of overuse of antifungals, overuse of, of uh, treatments that are not needed uh, can cause that problem. Are there any natural ingredients, I've heard of caprylic acid, that might calm down or reduce uh, fungal activity? Uh, is there, certainly there's discussions about certain forms of silver that seem to pierce the cell wall of bacteria at a 10 to 30 uh, picograms or whatever the measurement is, let me correct that, but it, it apparently doesn't harm your own good bacteria, but it seems to break down the, the harmful bacteria. And I'm not sure about the fungus, but I'm hearing that it may be a good preventative measure. There may be, but I think that the key things that people have to focus on is what's the state of their immune system. Okay. And what they have to do is basically be consuming good probiotics with the diversity of these uh, commensal bac good bacteria which can help to restore the gut's immune health. And it's not so much about the billions of probiotic, it's, it's a good strain, a good variety? It's the diversity, diversity and also the specific quality of okay. these, these uh, probiotics. I think many people uh, buy probiotics that are actually in ineffective because um, usually you buy probiotics, people may buy pro probiotics online and most of them are dead, uh, so the quality and where they get them from uh, is also very important. Not necessarily frozen, but refrigerated? Refrigerated, correct, okay. yes. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. And so w with that ongoing rebuilding of the good bacteria and the gut biome, right? Yes. There's this d diversity. And t to have a healthy immune system, we have to have some onslaughts, mm -hmm. and the body defends itself and builds yes. up a defense system. Mm -hmm. Yes, with a, good, with, a, with a good functioning immune system, when we get infections like a virus or the flu, the way our immune system is supposed to work, it's supposed to create acute inflammation. That's a good working. In, but what happens in, with immune dysfunction is that inflammation, instead of, instead of calming down, it remains chronic. Uh. And it's a chronic inflammation that really causes the disease processes. Because the, it's the, it comes from the immune dysfunction. The immune system is not working well, and therefore it's, it sort of stays switched on or upregulated, and that's the, what causes chronic inflammation. 
Are there some studies that suggest that possibly the diet, obviously a plant-based oil-free diet compared to an animal-based diet, you might have less inflammation because an animal-based diet tends to have maybe more protein antigens that are viewed as foreign proteins at times or just the whole microbial milieu that's added to an animal-based diet and dairy product-based diet? I mean, what, have you looked at any of these studies at all? I think it's multifactorial. I, I mean, if you look at very large meta-analyses using looking at studies, looking at millions of patients, yes. there is good evidence to show that, in fact, uh, people who are eating meat, particularly the red meat, processed meat, that their, um, you know, their cardiovascular mortality, overall mortality, cancer mortality significantly increased. Although there was a recent paper which appeared in the Annals of Internal Medicine which seemed to say that that may not be the case. But I think that if you look at the data very carefully um, and if you talk to people who are eating a plant-based diet versus a high animal processed food diet, you'll find that the people with the plant-based diet talk about the the fact that they feel better and and certainly I think that if you if you have someone who eats a lot of meat um, they also talk about the fact that yes they feel satisfied but their overall general feeling um, is not as good so I, I think we need to look at that data very carefully but I think the consensus of data published data as well what the experts say is that a whole food plant-based diet is actually the better diet don't you feel that exercise, I once read a study suggesting that it improves the lymphatic system tenfold when you sprint or you're breathing heavily during exercise versus just kind of strolling along, that exercise truly can build up the immune system in a healthy way? Yes. I mean, there's very good data to show that the, the exercise, first of all, is important uh, to have um, you know, a moderate degree of exercise every day, not high in, um, not. Uh, what super, what um, athletes do, uh -huh. basically that can actually weaken the immune system. They're kind if of stopping it, and going in whatever their athlete, their athletic uh, game is, right? It's the the duration, the intensity, right. prolonged exercise for long periods of time, not so good. However, high intensity interval training, yeah, is actually the best form of exercise okay. that looks at the immune system. So. You know, with someone doing exercising, intense exercise for four minutes, relaxing for three, four minutes on, three minutes off. That type of exercise is actually pretty good, and most people should be able to do that. Correct. And as they build up their fitness level, their restoration can shorten and they can pick back up. I tend to like to string my intensity throughout the session so I can kind of get in and get out, get the workout done. Mm -hmm. But uh, breathing heavily the whole time is part of it. And isn't the lymphatic system stimulated by muscular contractions? It doesn't really have its own pumping heart to move the lymphatics and the very factor of the core of the immune system. Yes, no, absolutely. I think there's also data to show, which was studies done in, in athletes as versus uh, resting individuals, that if you look at the, um, if you look at mitochondrial function of the muscles, that you actually it increases, uh, the cells overall increases during exercise. And there's no doubt that, <coughs> as you say, when you're exercising, you're actually moving fluids, shifting fluids 
which would normally be stagnating, uh, you're shifting it, you know, and moving it back into the lymphatic system. What about hot box theory? Uh, heating up the body. When you get a fever, your immune system improves. So some of the theorists uh, treating cancer will use uh, not just a far infrared spa, but they'll take it to where the core body temperature is raised. Is there some efficacy to improving the rate of strength of or the rate at which the immune system goes through and seeks and destroys and improves the body? Yes. Work that, that, um, that was done by my scientific collaborator at Wake Forest in a study we are doing looking at young white cell infusions to treat cancer, the basic science work showed that in fact when you take cells of the immune system they will kill cancer when the temperature is higher. So during our study um, often after we gave the white cells to patients with cancer, we would find that the temperature would go up. We would encourage the patients not to take, you know, uh, medications to, to, calm yes, down, to yeah. reduce their temperature because, in fact, we wanted the cells are known to work better to higher temperature. Is actually what happens when somebody gets a viral infection, their temperature goes up. And that's because the immune system is actually producing a higher temperature so that the cells of the immune system could work more efficiently. Yeah, I had a cell uh, transfer uh, procedure done, and I've had cord blood um, transfusions, or not transfusions, but cord blood uh, stem cell. And I know when I did the cell transfer, I had a little bit of a, I broke it, a fever at night. I mean, I woke up with my shirt perspired and everything, but I felt good. Um, I didn't want to break the fever. You know, I was wanting to see what was going to happen with that. And uh, I felt I felt really good two weeks after the treatment. So you're really pioneering work where I know you spoke about this, where you just brought it up, that you're looking for healthy 22-year-old donors. Uh, you have to tissue match because they've already taken on a genetic code. And then you have to transfuse that into cancer patients with the understanding that they're very potent white blood cells are going to seek and destroy and look for those metastasis cells, which there is no other cancer therapy that searches for metastasis. When a person has metastasis, they're in trouble. So the work that you're doing could very well solve that link, that missing factor of intervention. Well, yes, uh, that study is ongoing. Um, we uh, treated a number of patients on the study and we showed that in one of the papers we published that when we gave these donor white cell infusions to patients with cancer and we were able to look at the pathology of the tumors we saw 60 to 90 percent destruction of the cancer. Wow. The issue that we have with that study is that it is being funded by our foundation and we're, we need funding to continue that study so we're also looking out for anyone who is interested in funding cancer research of this type to be able to, um, to help us to, to get that study completed. And, and how can they get in touch with you to uh, donate and, and make sure this vital research continues? We, we have a website okay. uh, for the foundation. It's, to, it's called Stem Cell Cancer and Regenerative Medicine Research, Inc. Excellent. And so if they would, look, if they would just look that up, they'll be able to find the site and uh, they can make donations to the foundation to support that research and also the work that we're doing for immunosenescence of aging as well. Tell me about that work, immunosenescence. Um, I know Aubrey de Grey talks a little bit about the aging body and having to clear out the debris. Give me some understanding about that. Well, as we mentioned earlier, when we, as we get older, our immune system declines. And that's because 
the cells that forms the the effector cells, B cells, T cells and natural killer cells which are part of the innate and the adaptive immune system they come from, lymph, from stem cells which are called lymphoid stem cells. As we get older the numbers of functioning lymphoid stem cells decreases because many of the stem cells become senescent. That is that they are being exposed to uh, toxins which causes mutations within the cells. Those, those cells which when they acquire mutations can divide up to a certain point and then they stop dividing. That's a senescent cell. So a senescent cell then releases uh, inflammatory proteins which then affects the environment of the normal lymphoid stem cells which decreases their function. And that's the, the mechanism by which we have declining of the immune system as we age. That's called immune senescence. So the way, the way that the body naturally deals with that is that individuals who live to be 100 and healthy their immune system is working well, so they're, they've been able to maintain their effector cells, B cells, T cells, and natural killer cells working well, so they naturally clear the senescent cells. We talked about normal aging, and individuals who are undergoing normal aging exposed to you know, multiple environmental and lifestyle factors which causes increases the likelihood of these mutations occurring within the lymphoid stem cells, they, have, they develop senescence. And as senescence occurs, their effector cells, B cells, T cells, and natural killer cells, their function decreases. So it then leads to an accumulation of the senescent cells. And as that happens, it's a, it's a vicious cycle because as more accumulate, the immune system weakens further. So our goal is basically to deal with, the, deal with immune senescence the way the body naturally deals with it. By improving the immune system, then the, 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 the naturally effective cells of the immune system will remove senescence. So that's our approach to correcting immune senescence with our protocols. There are many um, efforts to increase the immune system and there's talk about those who live the longest, eat that herb, astragalus, and then people are getting extracts and we're working with a 200 to one extract of astragalus, garlic, ashwagandha. What's your feeling about the intervention with high grade, good manufacturing practice herbs uh, that might help to support a healthy immune system? Well, the, <coughs> there, again, there's no doubt that we have we need good micronutrients, um, which can help to support the cells and provide good nutrition for the cells of the immune system. Because again, if you look at um, Remember I said 50 to 70 percent, large studies have shown 50, 50 to 70 percent of the population are micronutrient deficient. Yes. So unless we correct those micronutrient deficiencies, those cells which are, which are in need of these micronutrients, eventually they go into this senescent state uh, um, and then eventually they die, but they will accumulate. So the, so the way that we've got to do it is to find out by precision measurements of what each individual is short of and replace those. But if you give too much of it as well, then you can actually cause harm because you can induce mutations by giving too much of these, again, micronutrients. So the approach I take with my patients is I, when they come in and they're on a range of supplements, I will measure their blood, look to see which micronutrients they're specifically deficient in, and we will correct those only. Do you use spectroanalysis or what, what particular labs do you run? I, um, I'm not going to quote any particular lab. I think that the, the approach that I've taken is that as a pathologist, I can look at the lab tests that are being done. 
um, speak to the patholo pathologist, understand the specificity and sensitivity of the tests, uh, because there's, there are many different labs okay. using different methods. Mm -hmm. And I think that we want to make sure that when in a patient in whom I'm recommending the test to be done, I've done the due diligence of making sure the lab has all the quality control and the accuracy of what they're doing allows me to be able to interpret it in such a way that I could give make the best recommendation to my patient. Dr. Dipnoy Maharaj, the work you're doing is quite advanced and exciting and yet there's a lot of discouragement about the battle against cancer. Currently there's work obviously with traditional treatments, yet what we're talking about might be some interventions that take a different approach, building up the immune system, looking at how the hormonal level balances are in order. What foods is this individual eating? What is their exercise? What is their sleep patterns? Do you think there's maybe a whole area that's been overlooked or for whatever reason because it hasn't been funded, there's not really any patents involved with this, that there might be a much better ray of hope in those people who choose to embark on this type of new journey? Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm very encouraged because I think with the education that's occurring of the importance of lifestyle and environmental effects on the immune system, people are becoming more and more aware that to really cure cancer, we've got to restore immune surveillance in that individual who developed cancer. Uh, because we've known as a transplant physician, um, treating patients with you know, blood cancers, immune disorders and different types of cancers. What we've shown is long-term survival and the people who have long-term survival, when you measure their immune system, they have reinstatement of immune surveillance and that's very well known in transplantation, but in bone marrow stem cell transplantation as well as in you know, treating blood. I think um, for solid tumors, the data is coming out very clearly now. The Nobel Prize in Medicine was won by two scientists. One was a, from the MD Anderson, um, doc, you know, Dr. Allison, who actually um, showed that immunotherapy is a very, very effective tool for treating cancer. Our approach is basically to keep the immune system strong in a proactive way. If we keep, if we maintain a healthy immune system, then we will get. Uh, a significant impact on the occurrence of cancer, but not just cancer, all of the other diseases which occur as a result of immune senescence. And those include, if we think about it, just a frailty. Frailty is, is it's caused by senescence or immune dysfunction, autoimmune diseases, chronic inflammatory diseases like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, um, heart disease. Uh, also people who develop recurrent infections, they have immune dysfunction. Um, and so I think that those are sort of categories of diseases which we know are clearly can be um, you know, improved upon with fewer um, patients getting those diseases by maintaining a healthy immune system and being proactive about their health. Please give us a review on iTunes and we'll be happy out of the group of reviews to choose a lucky winner of one of our award-winning products. It could be EsterBlock, Adrenal DMG, Stem Cell Strong, or even Power and Speed. We'll ship you a bottle at no cost. You'll enjoy it just from basically giving us a review on iTunes. Also, visit DelgadoProtocol.com. That's DelgadoProtocol.com and take our free hormonal quiz. Looking forward to assisting you to be your absolute best.